We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. Once we see that the benefited group are actually doing harm, the most sensible thing in the world is to shift focus and energy to the disadvantaged component in the system, the disadvantaged group, to bring some kind of balance to imbalance, which again makes all the sense in the world, unless you're a spiritual community where counterintuitive is usually how things go, where makes all the sense in the world often doesn't. That very logical idea that we would shift focus and energy from the advantage group to the disadvantage group, it is good. And it's actually a very good start. We should do that. But it is not good enough. It is not good enough because it doesn't have the legs to go all the way we need to go. For transformation to happen at a whole system level, we need a more comprehensive approach. Now here's at least part of why. We human beings, with our human being brains, wired the way that they are, we think that it's as easy as can be to distinguish between the advantaged and the disadvantaged. I mean, seriously, that is as super obvious as it gets. But ancient wisdom would say to us, eh, hold on, not quite so fast. Because the world that we live in is more interconnected than that. Because everything is connected, period. Turns out, seeing the part as a part the disadvantaged part, or the advantaged part, or the Israeli part, or the Palestinian part, or the Russian part, or the Ukrainian part, or the Freedom Caucus part, or the moderate part. Seeing the part as a part is at best only partially true. Consequently, go to work on the part, any part, limited efficacy at best. And that connected whole is true of ecosystems and it's true of chemical systems and it's true of food systems and it's true of financial systems but it is especially true of people systems people are interconnected focus on a part in order to redress an imbalance to that part because previously we focused on a different part is kind of like saying two plus two equals fish Zoom in very close, and that appears to be true. Zoom in very close, and that does seem that the way things are working. Oh, yeah, because this group got all the goods. The other group did not get all the goods. And if that's all we see, then what we do is we shift focus and we shift energy, which is, again, a good start, but not good enough. Because all you have to do is zoom out a little bit and we realized that the group that got all the goods while they were getting at the expense of the other was also being impoverished because something happens to that group that is very negative. 
something human is missed, something that they deeply need is missed. While the group that didn't get the goods, while they were not getting the goods, many were being enriched in one way or another, finding something deep, deeply human and deeply essential because everything is interconnected. We can't pull one lever and not impact the whole system. And so the spiritual tradition comes along and says, you're going to have to see the interconnectedness because if you don't, well, you'll always be functioning with a limited field of vision and we need a bigger and broader field of vision. Neglect one part, damage one part, and we are neglecting or damaging the whole system of which the unneglected, undamaged part is a part. So we end up damaging the whole when we damage the part. We are an interconnected system. Injustice anywhere threatens justice everywhere. An inescapable network of mutuality, a single garment of destiny. You've heard that, right? So in essence, we can't work on the part. We do. We think we're doing something, and sometimes good things happen when we do. But working on the part is not good enough. Here's something we say in our community all the time. You've heard it a hundred times. Oneness is a better description of reality than two-ness. And when we say that, people think, ooh, that sounds cool. Ooh, that sounds spiritual. <laughs> so advanced. So open-minded. Yeah, Helps us feel good about how spiritually hip we are. <laughs> people don't say the word groovy anymore. <laughs> but... <laughs> How about lit? <laughs> That's what the young people say, lit. <laughs> but when we get down to it, oneness isn't lit. It isn't groovy. Oneness is just damn hard. And it is really uncomfortable. The First World War introduced to the world a level of violence that had not been seen before. Because what trench warfare did was pit new technology against old paradigms of how wars were fought. So what we used to do in the old paradigm was line people up to fight wars. But then we invented a machine gun. Old paradigm plus new technology. So during World War I, a whole generation jumped out of trenches in straight lines to be mowed down immediately. Four years of unimaginable brutality and cruelty. Imagine if that was your child. I visited a monument in a village in the UK, covered, big, tall pedestal, covered on all four sides, hundreds and hundreds of names of their children dead on a single day, jumping out of those trenches and running along in the old paradigm of how wars are fought. And then the day came and the war was over. And the victors hated the vanquished. Understandable. And the victors saw themselves as a part and saw the vanquished as a separate part. And so they treated the vanquished as a separate part. And they codified that separateness in the Treaty of Versailles. 
They took significant chunks of German territory in several ways, undercut their own sense of so national sovereignty. Sovereign, sovereignty. So sovereignty. That's the way the word goes. Uh, forced upon them a perpetual state of vulnerability, defenselessness, dismantling armaments, dismantling uh, their, uh, their troops, posted foreign troops in the Rhineland, not for security's sake, but purely to humiliate them because they lost, made them pay for the war with reparations and crippled their economy, denied them access to regions where they had been getting natural resources, further crippling their economy. But the most humiliating thing for the German people was they forced them to sign the war guilt clause in the treaty in which the Germans had to take full responsibility, full blame for the war and absolve the Western allies of any blame at all. So that happened. Most sensible thing in the world, if you and all of your separate from us-ness hurt us badly, now we and all of our separate from you-ness will hurt you badly. And we will do so if we do those kinds of things, assuming that it's possible to do that and not in the process hurt ourselves because the assumption is separate and discreet. But you know the story. It only took 30 years because humiliate someone, defeat someone, fail to befriend an enemy, fail to turn an enemy into a friend, and the defeated do not go away. They are a part of an integrated whole. They don't go away. What they do is elect Hitler. And what they do is become Nazis. And what they do is unleash six more years of world war, 15 million more battle deaths, 25 million more battle wounded, 45 million more civilian deaths. And who suffered the part? No, the whole. Because everything is connected. We can't work on the part and be effective. We must work on our part within the context of the whole. We can't defeat others. We can set them back. But what defeat does if we do not quickly turn our enemies into friends, it just creates bitterness and resentment and creates further hatred and further cause for revenge and more pain down the road. The only way that it works is if we work for the good of the whole, which in very practical terms means finding common ground, which in very practical terms means understanding and respecting the other, seeing from the other's perspective, putting ourselves in other's positions. So again, oneness can sound so cool, so sophisticated, but in once we realize what oneness means, it gets very, very difficult. And oneness means befriending Germans after mustard gas. It means befriending Hutus after genocide. It means befriending an ex-wife after a bitter divorce. It means befriending those people who stole the election or who tried to steal the election. Work outside oneness sort the world into winners and losers and hope against hope that we get to be the winners 
the losers don't go away. They come back. And when they do, we all lose. For a brief moment in our nation's history, our nation functioned in a oneness way. After World War II, we worked very hard to make our enemies friends. The Marshall Plan provided direct economic assistance, helped uh, restore the infrastructure of the enemy, direct grants and loans, food aid, agricultural support, reconstruction, currency support, making enemies friends. In the Pacific, a different plan, similar objective, transfer technology to Japanese firms, open our doors for Japanese exports, allow trade practices that were advantageous to Japan, make enemies friends because everything is connected. Zero sum, win-lose, it works for a while but only by working for the good of the whole system will we go where we need to go. Because like it or not, intuit it or not, feel it or not, everything is connected. Oneness is the reality we live in. And our options are to get on board with the reality or to keep on keeping on suffering the consequences of not getting on board with reality. So if you are watching the news, you know right now that there are global implications of this principle. Israel will not get the security they want so badly if they do not turn Palestinians from enemies into friends. Palestinians will not get the liberation that they want so badly if they do not turn Israelis into friends. And every indication is that is not going to happen, not anytime soon, because mostly Folks are not even thinking those thoughts, not even considering that as an option. And the same thing is true for Russia and Ukraine. The same thing is true for the Freedom Caucus and the moderates, for the Republicans and for the Democrats. The principle applies in these global ways, these national ways that are so depressing when we see them on the news. And we can't do much about applying the principle in those contexts. But we can do a great deal applying those principles in the spheres we get to influence. We can apply the principle of oneness to your family troubles and to mine, to affordable housing in our county, to policies that support homeless people in our city, to improving access to mental resources here in our town because we are connected. And if the world isn't working for one, soon enough the world will not be working for all. So we apply this principle in a very gritty way. We get down into it learning how and doing our best to restitch relationship across partisan divides in our families, with our neighbors, in our worlds. Now I know that is a lofty ideal. I also know it is really hard. And I know one of the reasons it's so hard is because it seems almost impossible to see any way that we could get from the way this thing's going now to there. Dr. Mike and I still get together from time to time and he mentioned this quote, so I venture to a place I don't usually go anymore, social media. <laughs> and I found what he had posted there. 
The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been tried and found difficult, and so it has been left untried. Oneness is a very pretty principle, but oneness is a very gritty practice. Oneness is difficult, which is why we need tools. We need tools with technologies for transformation. I sent out today's title in the email, Essentialist Spirituality. Let's cut through the clutter and get to the main point. So let's do that for the balance of the lesson. I'm doing uh, a series of 10-minute videos. It started as a project for our children and our teenage team. Uh, helped them understand how to uh, talk to our kids about religion. I decided it would be helpful for our parents too, so that's one of the things I would like some help video recording. Uh, the essentials we want to convey to our children, or more specifically, how do we talk to them about our religion? Well, the first and second video are big picture uh, topics. Uh, the rest are very specific, how we talk about this and how we talk about this and this other thing. In the big picture park, I use this phrase, 60-20-20, 60-20-20. 20% of what we give our kids is to help them grapple with contemporary issues. And I include on my own tentative list, but I tell the children's team, you're going to do a better job of finding out the list of this 20% by talking to the parents, because the parents together will help us understand. But on my contemporary list, we gotta, I think we have to talk to our kids about technology and screen time. We have to talk about bullying, and we have to talk about conflict resolution. We have to talk about in-grouping, and we have to talk about out-grouping, thinking critically about the messages we pick up from the media, the influence that that happens, and I've got two or three more on my list. The other 20%, remember 60-20-20, the other 20 is how we talk about religion with our children. How do we talk about God? And how do we talk about Jesus? And how do we talk about the Bible? How do we talk about sin? How do we talk about salvation? Uh, that's where I'm, I'm putting most of my focus in these videos on that part because that's the part I think I can help with most because we've spent a lot of time and energy focused on rethinking and rebuilding our broken religion. But the 60%, 60, 20, 20, the 60%, the biggest part of what we want to convey to our children, this is the list that I've created for my own, uh, this is just a Word document. Uh, I'm hoping Jen will pretty it up when we make it a handout. Uh, this is what goes with that video. 60% of our focus for our children is on the virtues. We want to expose them to the virtues. We want to help them practice in the virtues. We want to, them to understand the texture of the virtues. Because, I tell the teachers in this video, the spiritual journey culminates there. We walk the journey and we become <coughs> virtue. It is the end point it is what happens to the people who walk the spiritual journey. We become virtue. So I say to the kids team, let's make it the start point of the journey as well. In the early part, we do the virtues. We work at kindness. We work at being honest. We work at being courageous. We work at the virtues in the early part of the journey. But keep walking on the journey and what eventually happens is we are changed by the process and we actually become the virtues. Over time, we become kindness and we become respect and we become honest, we become courageous and at that point, we do the virtues without trying. 
We are the virtues. We have become the virtues. So that's where the spiritual journey is going to take our kids. So while we have them in the working at it stage, let's set them up for success as they walk through the journey to the place of becoming. Well, here's why I bring that up. Because we can't do oneness without the virtues. This whole process that we are talking about is not doable absent the full development of virtue. Part of why oneness is so dauntingly difficult is because you and I and everyone around us has not yet become love that loves irrespective of the behavior of the beloved. But that's where this spiritual journey takes us, to the place where we love irrespective of the behavior of the beloved. How many people do you know like that? There aren't many. But that's where this journey takes us. That's what happens when you walk this journey. And it hasn't happened for a lot of people yet. Parts of it have happened for me. Parts of it have not happened yet. So Jesus comes along and says some stuff. And Jesus, I got to tell you, it seems a little bit out of touch. Those are very pretty words, Jesus. Grant you that. Lofty aspirations, sure, but come on. What are you talking about? Love your enemies. Did you not see the awful, horrible, ugly stuff that they did? What do you not understand, Jesus, about what happens if they get even a whiff of vulnerability? If I start to love my enemies, they will pile on and they will do more of the harmful stuff that they've done. What don't you get about that, Jesus? You've got to understand, Jesus, they are exploiters and they are oppressors and they are heartless and they are depraved. Give them an inch and you know. And what about good people do nothing, doing nothing, Jesus? So you've got to get real, Jesus. So listen to C.S. Lewis. Courage is not simply one of the virtues. Courage is the form of every virtue at the point of testing. Courage is the point of every virtue at the point of testing. Every virtue tested finds its highest point of reality. Now again, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been tried and found difficult. And so it has been left untried. The pickles that we get ourselves into in our own lives and the pickle that we are in in our world, here's what we are not saying today. Oh, yeah, that's easy. All you need is virtue. All you need to do is turn your enemy into a friend. We're not saying that. We are not saying this is easy. What we are saying, no matter how difficult oneness is, it's the only option we have. No matter how difficult turning an enemy into a friend is, it's the only option we have. We do get a choice. We can keep on keeping our enemies as enemies. But if we do that, look around at how that's going. We can keep that asshole cousin an enemy. We can do that. We can keep that mean-spirited neighbor as an enemy. We can do that. Or we can learn how to practice oneness. 
We can learn how to love our enemies. We can learn how to turn enemies into friends. We can develop the virtue that will be essential if we're going to learn how to do that. We can begin to develop that virtue so that we become able of doing that. The tradition tells us what happens if we use these technologies of transformation. Do them over time in our lives we do awaken to an interior light reality that we carry within. We over time become able to do what previously we could not do. For human pain and suffering to abate in your life, in your home, in your extended family, in our world, for goodness and life and light to overcome harm and darkness and death, somebody will have to give themselves to this endeavor. Somebody will have to break the cycle and become the kind of people who can do oneness. The kind of people who have developed the virtue and the capacity and the ability to turn enemies into friends. And you will probably not be surprised. I think that could be us. As a matter of fact, I've been watching us becoming that for quite some time. Now, I know that there are others who are hard at work on this same thing, and we are not alone. Matter of fact, I had a really encouraging conversation with a guy in Arizona this week, and uh, leading another community, doing things very similar to what we're doing. We are not alone, but that isn't what we get to be in charge of. In our community, in our lives, I think it should be what? It should be us. And I say that knowing full well how hard it is. There are a couple of my places I mentioned in my life that I could do this. It took a lot of growth to get to the place where even those couple spaces I could do what before I couldn't do. But these difficult years since about 2016, I've started to realize there are other places I cannot yet do this. There are places into which I must emerge to be able to do that. So I, and I hope you too, I'm still at it. I am still, week one, building authentic circles of spiritual friendship. I am still, week two, dismantling my habit thoughts, making space for the inner light version of me to emerge. I am still, and I hope you too, doing week three, still learning the how and the what of the ancient wisdom. I am still, week four, finding my purpose by serving something that is greater than myself. I am still practicing what I preach. I am still working the circle. I am still working the technologies of transformation and will be till the day I die, and I hope you with. But if we do, we get to take up the mission of transformation. If we use these tools of transformation, we get to be part of what's repairing and healing the world around us that is so broken. So, we could do this. So, interior divine, people who are transformed and people who transform the world around us, may that be so in us, and may that be so through us. Amen. So if you are online, we're going to do something here in the room. We're going to open the floor and do what are you thinking. And uh, I hope there is a vigorous response today. Uh, that's some of my favorite times. 
Uh, but you could do the same thing and head over to the Zoom. You can find the link right there in the YouTube notes, or you can see it on our website, or I think you can find it. Uh, there's several places it is. If you do, you're going to be asked for a passcode. The passcode is 1417. Passcode is 1417. So I hope you do it. If you go over there, you're going to find people who are very nice, who are very interesting, and you'll have an engaging conversation, I'm sure. Uh, let's go ahead and dismiss the folks who are online. If you would, please put your hand on your heart. And let's remember as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine, which means within us is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, the fruit of the divine spirit. And if you would, extend your other hand to our city. Let's look for opportunities this week to take what's already in us and give it to the people around us, the world around us, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. We are not dismissed. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.